Welcome. Um, this week we're going to do Pashas Pinchas. So let's begin with um, a few weeks ago we read Pashas Koyrech. Pash Koyrech, we read the whole story with Koyrech, his rebellion, and then at the end the earth opened up and swallowed him. The whole story in Pashas Koyrech. Now, we know that Bnei Koyrech Mesu, Koyrech's children did not die. So, I took like an informal survey and I asked a number of people, all kinds of people in yeshiva, not in yeshiva, I asked them, where does it say the Bnei Koyrech Mesu? And most people said, it's either a medrash or a gemara, but it's not. It's a pasuk in the Torah. Where's the pasuk? Pashas Pinchas. Let's take a look. So after the beginning with Pinchas, then the Pasha goes on to a census. We have a census of every Shevet. tells us about the Shevet, how many there were, and it gives you the total number of people in the Shevet. So the first, the first one is Reuven. So it tells what Reuven, who his children are, and then Ubnei um, Falu Aliyav. Ubnei Aliyav Nemuel Dosen Vaviran. Dosen Vaviran were the children of Aliyav. Who Dosen Vaviran Kriyaida Asher Hitzu Al Moshe Bal Aaron, but that's Kairach. Vatiftachar says Pia, Vatifl Oisam, but Kairach. Bemais Haida, that they all died. The earth opened up and Dosen Vaviran and the whole Adas Kairach, they all died, they went down into the earth. Vnei Kairach Leimesu. This is where it says, What is it doing here? It's doing, first of all, maybe it should be in Pasha's Kairach. And if it's going to be here, it should be in Shevet Levi. Why is it in the Pekida of Ruvain? That's one question. Also, we're doing over here a census. We're counting the people. So, why are we talking about Das and Vaviran who are dead? Why are, the, why are they being mentioned here? Of course, we count the living people. We don't count the dead people. Every census only counts the people that are living. Why are we counting Das and Vaviran? And then if you look later, Bnei Yehuda, doing a census of Yehuda, which comes out to whatever the Cheshman is, Bnei Yehuda, Erv Oinon, He has Erv Oinon, and they died in Eretz Knan. And then the the the, the Pekida goes through the third son Shela. Now Erv Oinon died hundreds of years before. Why are they being mentioned over here in the Pekida of Yehuda? And the same thing you find by the Pekida of Levi. Again, there's, if they're all, the whole Pekida of all the Shvatim, there's a separate mitzvah here to go make a Pekida on Levi. So it says, Vayvoleid la'aran esnodov aviyu as a laws of Yisamar. He had four children. Vayom esnodov aviyu bakriv mezor alifnei Hashem. Why are we talking about nodov aviyu? We're doing a Pekida. We're standing over here on the threshold of Eretzrol. We're taking a census. How many people do we have? Why are we talking nodov aviyu? Why are we talking about Ervainan? 
Why are we talking about Dasan Bavira? So I think that the Pshat is like this. Every person in Klal Yisrael has a purpose. He has a, he has a, a tachlis. He has um, something that he has to contribute. Klal Yisrael is like a huge jigsaw puzzle. It has many, many little pieces. Thousands, millions of pieces. Some pieces are bigger, some pieces are smaller, but every piece fits into this overall jigsaw puzzle. And all of them together create the picture of Claudius Yisrael, where everybody fits together and everybody has a role and they all fit together. Now, every person who has a tachlis of what he's supposed to contribute, when he dies, that is that is um, perpetuated through his children and through his grandchildren and through his great-grandchildren. So whatever role that he has to fulfill in Claudius' role is continued through his children and, his, and his, all his descendants. However, what if a person has no children? Then whatever role he has to do is not fulfilled. And then there is a hole in the jigsaw puzzle. So this is what it's saying over here. We're doing a census of Klal Yisrael. So the Torah is telling us, Dos and Vaviro actually were quite big people. And they had a function. They had a purpose. They had a role in Klal Yisrael. And they died. And they had no children. Everybody died, they and their children. So whatever purpose, whatever role they had to fulfill in Klal Yisrael, is, is empty, is, there's a hole in the jigsaw puzzle. So this is what the Torah is telling you. This is the census, but there's a hole. There's somebody missing. Who is missing? Dosan Vavir and I'm missing. Why? Because whatever role they had to fulfill, they, didn't, they couldn't fulfill neither through themselves or through their children. So this is what the Torah is telling you over here. So why shouldn't we, so what's with Kairach? So the Torah tells you, Dosnav Aviron left the hole. Kairach did not leave a hole. Even though they all went together into the pit, but they left the hole, Kairach left the hole. Why? Because of Bnei Kairach Laimesu. That's what he's telling us here. So if you go on by Yehuda, Erva Ainan. Yehuda had three sons, Erva Ainan and Shela. Erva Ainan were the, the sons of Yehuda. So they had an important role in Klal Yisrael, and they died. And they had no children. So whatever role they had to fulfill, whatever role was unique to them, that's a whole. So Torah tells you, the Pekid of Yehuda is incomplete. There is a whole. It's not no Shlemus. And the same thing by Levi. The role of Levi and Nadavi were very big people. They were supposedly going to be the successors to Moshe and Aaron. And they died. So whatever they were supposed to do in Klal Yisrael, whatever their function was supposed to be, is, inf- is unfulfilled. So the census of Levi is incomplete. That's why the Torah tells you about the people that died and left no children. But what happens if, uh, so what if a person has no children? Then what? So then he's, he, he has no contribution, he's meaningless. But I just want to refer back to the first Pasek in Toldus. So it says like this, Elu told us Noyach, these are the generations of Noyach, these are his descendants, 
Noyach is tzaddik tamim. Noyach was a tzaddik. So why? I mean, before he gets to tell you the children are. It tells you that Noyach was a tzaddik. Why does it tell you that? So Rashi has two pshatim. First he says, Zecher tzaddik levracha. And then he says another pshat. Lamedcha, she'ikir told the same, shal tzaddikim ma'asem toivim. The main toldas, the main generations, the legacy of tzaddikim, generations are the, are the legacy of the patriarch. The person who has children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, that's his legacy. And they continue his legacy, and that's how he, that, that's how he fulfills his role in Claudius' role. But a tzaddik's main toldos are his maizim toivim. Now it doesn't say his mitzvahs, it doesn't say the Torah that it learns, it says his maizim toivim. Maizim toivim means gemilas chasodim. So when, it, when the tzaddikim, they do chesed, they do gemilas chasodim, then that has a great effect on their surroundings, on their, on their sviva, on the kehila. it has a great effect. And that is, creates a chain reaction. You know, you do chesed, so that causes more chesed, causes different things. So whenever the, the tzaddikim, they do maizim toivim, that sets into motion a long chain reaction. And there, and that chain reaction goes down from generation to generation. It's not only during their lifetime. That effect of their maizim toivim is in the next generation, the next generation, and goes through all generations. So the maizim toivim are the toldos of tzaddikim. So if a person has a role to fulfill and, is, and he, uh, he does maizim toivim, so then he is, he, his death is not a, a hole in the jigsaw puzzle. It's not a hole in Claudius' role because, what, because his, his role is fulfilled through the maizim toivim that he does. However, Dalsim Vaviron were not tzaddikim and therefore the only way they could have uh, told us they could have uh, the legacy should go on is only through children. The children died along with them. Uh, Erva Ainan were also, we don't see anywhere they were tzaddikim and they were big balay chesed. We don't see that. So again, if they die and they left no children, there's a hole in the puzzle. And, this, and what's with Nodavaviyu? Nodavaviyu were very big tzaddikim. But Nodavaviyu were really had a, a tremendous role in Klal Yisrael. They were destined to become the, the, the leaders of Klal Yisrael. So the Maisim Toivim that they did will, will compensate for part of the whole, but the rest of what they were destined to do is not compensated by Maisim Toivim, and therefore their absence needs to be mentioned in the census of Sheva Levi because there's a hole in the census of Shevet Lady. Okay, now, let's go a little bit further in the Pasha. So, Vaidabra Moshe Hashem Leimar. This is after the story of the Bnei Slavchad, that they came and they said, uh, you know, they wanted a Yarshan for, from their father. So, after that story, and the Ban Shalom said that in Yerusha, the, if there are no sons, the daughter Yashin is the father, and otherwise it would be his brothers, his male relatives. But he said, no, if there's a daughter, then the daughter Yashin's, even though there are male relatives. So after this parsha, then Vaidabra Moshe Hashem Leimar, the only time in the Torah 
we have this kind of uh, pasuk where Vaidabra Moshe al Hashem Lamer. Usually, it's the other way around. It says Yifkay Hashem Malakei Ruchais Lechal Basar Ishalo Eida. He's as saying to the Rebbeinu Shloilam that after he dies, that the Rebbeinu Shloilam should appoint somebody who will succeed him will be a leader of Klal Yisrael. Don't leave them like sheep without a shepherd. So the Rechaim right away asks, why does Moshe have to be Mazar's the Rabbeinu Shloilam, like he has to urge him and motivate him that he should make sure that, 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 the, that they're not left, uh, you know, leaderless, wandering sheep, that the Banshan appointed a leader, he'll appoint another leader. Why is he, why is he saying, Yifka Ruchas? And if he, what does he want? Of course, when he, when he, when he's Nifta, somebody else will, be, somebody else will, will, will be the one. What does he want? Another question is that if you look in Pasha's Devorim, So this is uh, Moshe Rabbeinu is, is uh, reviewing the history of Klal Yisrael and the Midbar. So now he's talking about the Maraglam. Now in, in our parsha, he's standing here. He's on the threshold of, of Eretz Yisrael. He is uh, about facing the end of his life. Now the Maisa of the Maraglam was 38 years earlier. So he says like this. Gambi is son of Hashem Beglauchem Leimar. Hashem got angry with Kaviochel, that he got angry with the Moshe, and he said, What did he get angry about? Because Moshe Lemaisa sent him, sent him a raglam. He didn't have to. He decided to send him a raglam. And there was a disaster. So the Banshem got angry and said, You are not going to come to Eretz Israel. Yeshua ben Nun Oemid Lefanecha. Yeshua benun your Talmud, who Yavai Shama, Oisai Chazek, who Yanchilanu as Yisrael. So he told him 38 years before that Yeshua would be his successor. So what's his problem now? Why is he saying you should have a, you know, Ishala Eida, you shouldn't be Son Shalom Roya, what's with Yeshua, he's not a good Roya. What is it, I mean, what does he want? And Rabban Shalom answers him, Kachlachos Yeshua benun, Smachtas Yadcha'olov. Take Yeshua Benon. Yeshua Benon was already designated 38 years old earlier. All of a sudden, now he's telling him Yeshua Benon. Is he reminding him now? He's telling him do it now. Be, be, make smicha now. Now Rashi says, "What what did Moshe want?" Kiv Mishashama Moshe, Shomalei Amokam Ten Nachla Tzavcha Ten Nachal Slavchad Lebnoisov. Give the Nachl Vitzlavcha to his daughters. Amari said, Now I'm going to ask what I need. What do I need? He wanted his sons should be his successors. They should inherit his position. That's not, uh, this is not what I want. Now, the, what the connection of the, the Bnei Slavchad, I would think, is that the Bnei Slavchad were, were 
generally, the male is the one that's, that inherits. I don't know, it's the Chiddush over here that, uh, that the daughters inherited. Because I guess the, the, they have a primary role in society. So the males are the heirs and not the daughters. However, if there are no sons, then the bunch of Chadish, that the daughters, even though they're not on the same level as the father's brothers, but nonetheless, the daughters they should inherit. So this, I guess, what Moshe was saying, that even though his sons are, are not on the level of whoever else it could be, if it would be Yeshua or Pinchas or Asnil Beknas or whoever, you know, but they're not on that level. However, you see that when it comes to your own children, if you don't have children that are on the on that level, then then the ones on a lower level can also yashin. So therefore, I want that my my sons should should inherit my position, even though they're not equal to other people. That's what he was saying. And the bunch of them, no, I want Yeshua. So what exactly? So. This is basically the question. What is going on over here? Yeshua was appointed 38 years before, and now Moshe wants his children, and he's saying to Rebbein make sure you don't leave them leaderless. How would they be leaderless? You have Yeshua. What is going on here? So, about the, you know, Mirz Hashem, when we get to Pasha Shoftim, to the midst of Sam Tos Melech Melech, then, you know, I want... I'll discuss this topic at greater length, but but at least this I'll tell you part of it now is that um, why did they wait for four hundred years to be Makai in this mitzvah of Shlom Tosh Melech? And when they asked for a Melech, why did Shmuel get upset? And why did Hashem told them Loi Pachamo they didn't reject you, they rejected me, because I anim alkom, and now they're rejecting me. But there's a mitzvah of Sam Tasmalachamelach. So we'll get into all the nuances a little bit later with the way they asked and what they asked. But the point is that that in the Kufas Ashaiftim, in those four hundred years, the Pasik says, Bayom Mahim Ain Melach be Israel, Isha Yosha Bain of Everybody did what they wanted. Now this is l'shvach and l'gnai. It's l'gnai because they did whatever they want and they did averis. It's also l'shvach because if they did mitzvahs and they, they lived properly, then they did it without anybody controlling them, without anybody telling them what to do. Who told them what to do? The Torah. If they had a question in the Torah, you used to go to the Rav. They went to the Shaifet. The Shaifet was the Rosh was the, the head of the Sanhedrin, he used to go to the Shaifah, that to know Pashat, what is the Allah? But once you know what the Allah is, they didn't need any kind of government to control them. So that's so they were Ain Melech Israel. It was it was anarchy. That means anarchy means no government. Anarchy. But anarchy is not necessarily chaos. If there's if the people are self-regulated and they follow the Torah and they obey what the Bansham tells them to do, then it's only anarchy, it's not chaos. So this is the, this is what they were trying to do. They were trying to create a society because the purpose of the Melech is not to be, you know, uh, a president, uh, 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 you know, a chief executive to manage all the departments and the military. No, 
the midst of Samtas Lachmelach means to be that ultimate manig who's going to bring Klal Yisrael to the highest levels of Ruchnias. That was, that was the purpose. So in order to bring in such a person, it was necessary at first to, I mean, that was the ideal, to establish a society which is able to function without a government, without an executive branch, just to have a Sanhedrin to rule on what the halach is. And that executive branch, and so, 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 but that is only possible if, if the society is stable. Now during the Kufus HaShoftim, there were, there were ups and downs. There were, it says, uh, these type of, of periods where they were, were self-functioning. That, the Pasuk says in one Pasuk, a few places, Harboim Shona Shokta Oretz. The, all the stories of, of, of Shaiftim are all about the downfalls where they get influenced by the, by the, by the, by the pagans and they start doing a Vaidazara and then they have to get a Shaiftim to go mobilize them and, and, and inspire them. And so these are all the stories with the ups and downs. But every once in a while there was Arboim Shana Shakta Aretz. Forty years it was good, it was the right thing. Shmoinim Shana Shakta Aretz, another Pasuk, eighty years. Things were great. You were doing the right thing. It was going there. But it wasn't stable. It wasn't stable. You had a long stretch where it worked, and then back to chaos. So that wasn't stable. So, so Klausel was not ready for the king that, that the mitzvah was given. It was, was telling them to have this Manig Ruchni was not going to have to dirty his hands with politics and managing the government and all kinds of executive issues. He's not going to have to do that. So they were not ready. But, in, but they asked for a melech because they wanted to fight with Nachash HaMaini. They needed a melech who was going to organize. That was not what the mitzvah was. So really in the, there was a shaifet and then there was a melech. Moshe was a melech. Moshe was a melech. 38 years earlier, when it says that Yeshua is going to be who Yavayas Am, that means Yeshua will be the Shaifet. Moshe was also a Shaifet, which we'll talk about in Pashat Vayelach. But Moshe was the Melech, and Yeshua he told him, after you, Yeshua will be the Shaifet. Not a Melech, will be the Shaifet. And you see that because the Pasuk says, the Pasuk says in, in Devarim, it says, Uyavoy Esaam, he will come, he will come with the people, he will come with the people, and in Veschanan it says, Betzavas Yeshua Chaskevam Seyu, Kihu Yaver Lifneyam, he's going to go in front of them, he's going to become a leader. When did he become a leader? When did he become a Melech? Yeshua was a Melech, the Gemara says. Yeshua became a Melech here in Pashas Benchus. This is where he became a melech. So by 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 um, by the time of the Miraglam, he only became a shayfet. He only said he's going to be a shayfet. After you, Yeshua will be your successor at shayfet. But melech, he didn't say. Now, what Moshe was saying here says He was being mispalal that the kufas hashayfetim started was maybe it was going to start with Yeshua, that Yeshua will be the Shaifet, and that Kufus the Shaifetim will start 
with Yeshua, not with a snail ben Knaz. We'll start with Yeshua. So he said that they are not ready for this. They're coming out of Mitzrayim. They were Avodim. And in the Midbar, they were, uh, you know, everything. They had the Mon, they had everything. Now they're coming to Israel. They have to fight a war of conquest. They have to go down, go, go live normally and have businesses and farms. They're not ready for this type of, uh, of a society, this utopian society, which is, which is anarchy, which can live, with, which can exist without a government. They're not ready for this. So, they need a melech. They need somebody who's going to control the society. Not just somebody who's going to be, um, uh, set an example and inspire them and bring them heart. They need a melech. Just like later, briefly, like when they asked for a melech, who were they given? They were given Shaul. Shaul was not Yehuda. And his mitzvah of, um, mitzvah, a melech has to be from Yehuda. And they were given Shaul. What's the pshat? Farshim speak about this. Now the pshat is that Shaul was not that melech. That was the mitzvah of Samtosla He was just a, a, a he was a governor. He was a, a a chief executive. That was his job. He did not his was now what would be with Layasa Shev Mihuda. So we'll talk about this in Shaiftim. But what would be afterwards if Shaul hadn't if he had not uh, sinned then if he could have uh, could have continued, what would have been? Okay, it's a different topic. But what Moshe was saying is that since we need somebody who's going to run the society, so let my children do this. That's what he said. Yeshua should be the shayfet. Absolutely. Who's going to be the melech? The melech should be my children. Because I see by Bnei Slavchad that, uh, that even a secondary level uh, um, heir could, could inherit if it's a child. So over here, these are my children. Let them inherit this. So Rabban Shalom told them, no. He said, it has to be Yeshua. Yeshua will be a Melech. He will be a Melech. He'll be both. He'll be a Melech who's going to control. He's also going to be the Rebbe, the, 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 the Godel, the, the Tzaddik, and he's going to do everything to be Yeshua. And Taka, he, he agreed to his Tefillah, he answered his Tefillah, and he said, we will not start Kufas Shaif from now. We'll start the Kufa Shaiftim after we come into Israel and after we conquer the land and we settle it. The Pasuk says, You don't put the Melech before the conquest to help you conquer it. No, first you have to conquer it. Then you have to settle it. After that, hopefully you'll have a stable society, like they tried in the Kufa Shaiftim. Then you could have a Melech. Now the Melech will not be corrupted by being busy with things that he shouldn't be busy. I want to conclude with one thing. The Melech should go out in front of them and should come back in front of them. Sirashi so says, not like the Malchi Umais, that they sit in their palaces and they send out the armies. No, he's going to go out in front of them. Now, really, they should, to go out in front of the army and into battle is a very risky thing. And even the generals, Gen- usually, a general will not be in the front of the army. He'll stay all the way in the back, and he'll direct it, what he, what he do. But he's not going to go into the heat of battle. Well, he's a good chance he'll get killed. No, you could afford to lose uh, a sergeant, lieutenant, 
but the general is a big loss, so you have to take care of the nation. Being, well, he shouldn't be in the front. So what is the purpose he says he should go in the front? Why is he going to go in the front? And why is that such a big thing? Okay, that's one question. And the other question is, he said that he should, that he should go out in front of them, and he should come back in front of them. When you're coming back from the battlefield, you won. It's over. You, you were successful. You're coming home. Why does the Melech have to walk in front of the army? I mean, let him do what he wants. So why, what's the purpose in walking in front of the army? So I want to say, I think it's, uh, it's Gans Poshet, that when the Melech goes out, this Melech that he says, that he's asking for, he should go out in front, it doesn't mean that he go out in front with his brandishing a sword and saying, charge, you know, and, and you know, let's go, and let's this, and, you know, that's not, that's not what his purpose is to go in the front. The purpose of the Melech going in the front is to set an example for the people. How does an Erlech Ayid, how does a Tzaddik, how does Yeresh Mayim go out to battle? Does he go with blood curling, screams, war cries, battle cries? No, he goes out by Hachno, he goes out with, uh, with his fill on his lips, he's saying a capital till him, he's a Biteach on the Rabbeinu that's how he goes out. He goes out understanding that there's no Koychiv Yoytzim Yodi, that's how he goes out. And that's why he should walk in front, when the people are going into, into battle, and they look at the Melech, and they look at how he's going, that will inspire them and teach them how do you go to battle. Don't go like a Vildechaya to battle like these pagan soldiers. You go like an Erlachayid, you go to battle. And who Huadin, when you come back from battle, it's also important to have the Melech walking in front. Don't come back from battle, you know, saying, we won, you know, Didon Natsach, or whatever. <laughs> we won, and we, we beat them, and we, and we you know, we're, we're victorious, you know. <laughs> That's not how you go back. That's not how you go back. You come, you go back with a shvach through a bainishlelem, with hakara that everything was the siyata d'shmaya. You go back with 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 being with giving toida to the bainishlelem. That's how erelchi goes back. And it's important when they're coming back, the mel should go in front and set an example to the people. How does a person come back in battle? Thank you very much, and I hope to see you again next week.